Well, good morning, everybody, on uh, day 97 of lockdown. Uh, I don't know if you're looking forward to Super Saturday uh, next weekend and to getting a haircut. I don't know if you're excited about that. I'm excited on behalf of many of you because I've seen some of you and I know that you need haircuts, as do the people in my family, as do I. Uh, I wonder if lockdown has, you know, as we've reflected on it over and over again and continue to do so because it's the reality of our journey at the moment. I wonder if uh, it's brought out the best in you or if it's brought out in the worst of you. Perhaps it's a mixture. I know it is in, in my case or whether, whether it's turned you perhaps even a bit weird. I had a phone call from um, my son, my eldest son, who went back to, uh, to London last weekend. He phoned uh, a couple of days ago. And happened to mention in the middle of his call that he'd put his entire wardrobe in the freezer for 24 hours uh, during this week. So if you, any of you can work out why he might have done that, you're a genius. Uh, if you want to message me, I might even give a prize to the person who manages to understand what on earth was going on in his life. But we, um, I've been reflecting this week, uh, as I'm sure many of us do a lot of the time, um, with conversations with other people and also with myself on... Uh, some of the challenges that we've been facing and actually are going to continue to face as we move forward with with different uh, sort of uncertainties facing us. I've been reflecting on the challenges of this season and particularly for me uh, the challenge of uncertainty. I'm the kind of character that if we go uh, on a walk as a family I'm the, I'm the person that wants to know where we're going I want to know if we're going somewhere in particular, whether there's going to be a view, whether there's going to be a lake, you know, what I can expect on this walk. I want to know how long it's going to take. I want to know if I, if I, how I'm going to know when we've got to the sort of the bit that we're aiming for. I want to know when we're going to get back and I want to know what time we're going to be home. I like sort of some certainty and some structure, which then enables me to enjoy, you know, the walk and what we're doing. And uh, obviously being that kind of person, I get uh, frustrated with delays and holdups and detours and all of that kind of thing and getting lost. And so for me, this season uh, has had a particular challenge to it in that dimension because of its uncertainty, because I wanna know, I want some certainty, you know, just being honest about who I am. I want to know where we're going, what it's gonna look like. Is there gonna be a normal or a new normal? And if so, when's that gonna happen? What's it gonna look like? How are we gonna get there? And of course, nobody can answer any of these questions. None of us know. We've never been here before. And so we're just walking step by step each day. And it's one of the reasons that I'm, I'm loving the fact that we're um, looking into Ruth, because this, I think there's a lot of overlap uh, between some of the elements of their story and our story. This isn't a book of the Bible like Exodus or like Nehemiah, where uh, the people involved, whether it's Moses or whoever, and they've got a plan from God. God shows up with a plan and says, this is where we're going. This is how you're going to get there. This is how I'm going to lead you. It's not a story where a plan gets God's people from, from A to B. You know, Tim shared at the beginning of, of, of this, this series that it begins from a place, their story begins in a place of, of desperation and ends up in a place of destiny. You know, it ends with the, the plan of God to uh, restore and uh, rebuild them and redeem them and to secure the ancestral line that he's going to send his son into the world through. It's an, it's an incredible outcome. But this journey from, from desperation uh, all the way through uncertainty to this place of destiny is not uh, fulfilled by following a plan. It's, it's fulfilled, as far as I can see in this book, through following a principle. Yes, God is at work through what's going on, but there's a principle at work at the same time. And this principle that paves the way 
for God to work, that paves the way for them to move forward, that paves the way on into their future, weaves through the book. It's highlighted again in chapter three, which we'll come to in a moment. And it's this, and it's what I want to talk about this morning. It's the principle that kindness is powerful. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Kindness is powerful and kindness is connected to God's purposes always. Kindness leads us into God's purposes. So a quick recap uh, from the last three weeks and, and here we are in chapter three, but if, if we look back at chapter one, it begins with the, the devastating scene and Ruth and Orpah, the other daughter-in-law of Naomi, saying, we're going to come with you as Naomi contemplates coming back to Bethlehem because of the famine. And that's a, that's a kind offer. And Naomi responds to their kindness by saying, no, I don't want you to come with me. Uh, it's going to be really tough for you being foreigners in a foreign land. Uh, your widows, why don't you stay here, stay with your families, stay here, find husbands, get remarried, get a new life, and I'll go back on my own. That was a really kind thing for Naomi to offer, to face the loneliness of the journey and the future herself in order to set her daughters-in-law free to start new lives. But then Ruth responds with yet more kindness. She refuses to let Naomi go back alone. She chooses to go with Naomi to accompany her to live as a stranger in a foreign land. And that's no small thing. People travel to foreign nations and set up lives in new lands for all kinds of reasons. But Ruth wasn't going for her own benefit. She stood to gain nothing from her choice. She was choosing to go with Naomi so that Naomi wouldn't be alone. That was really kind. That was kind. And then in chapter two, they've arrived in Bethlehem. Uh, we were looking at this last week. Ruth offers to go off, uh, go off and get food. She finds Boaz in a field. He's super kind to her. She asks, why have you been so super kind to me? In verse 11, he says, well, I've heard of your super kindness to Naomi, so I want to be kind to you. And then he prays that God would repay Ruth's kindness. And then she says, wow, you've been kind to me again. You've spoken kind to me. I mean, there's a whole big kindness fest going on right there in chapter two. And then Ruth comes home and she reports the day's events to Naomi. And Naomi is overcome by the kindness of Boaz to, to, to Ruth. And as she's overcome by hearing the story, she's suddenly overcome by God's kindness. And she remembers, oh my word, the Lord is kind. And he's been kind to us. And as she, as she re-engages with God's kindness to her through Boaz's kindness to them, it reawakens hope within her. Kindness is really powerful. And then here in the middle of chapter three, we have this strange encounter that we'll look at in a moment of, of Ruth and Boaz being on the threshing floor. But Boaz in verse 10, if you've got your Bible open, he summarizes Ruth's seeming, seemingly strange actions like this in verse 10. He says, this kindness that you've just shown me is greater than that which you showed earlier. He's calling out a new level of kindness that he's seen in her. And there's more kindness coming next week. Kindness is the consistent thread that is woven through this story. Kindness is what paves the way in this story for Naomi and Boaz and Ruth to walk the path that God has planned for them without them knowing what that path is. God is doing a work, working his purposes out throughout this story. But kindness is the raw material that he uses. Okay, chapter three. Let's have a quick uh, couple of minutes on the Jewish culture. 
so that we can understand this kindness that was going on with Ruth. What is a kinsman redeemer? I don't know if you remember back to our first week when we, we looked at the Bible Project summary of this, uh, this culture that was there. In Old Testament times, women uh, couldn't own their own money. They were totally dependent on men. There was no welfare state, there was nothing to help them. And so they were unbelievably vulnerable if the dependent male uh, was uh, ended up dying and Ruth and Naomi both lost their husbands. They were even more vulnerable if they had no sons that were going to uh, care for them in the future. And um, so, so God, because he cared about family and, he, and because he cares about uh, vulnerable people, he instituted a rule that you can find in Deuteronomy 25, which was this, that uh, if a, a widow had been uh, left childless, there were no sons that were going to be able to take over the family name in the future, inherit the family land or look after their, their mother, then the next unmarried male relative in the family should marry that widow, have uh, a son by her and the first son uh, would inherit the, the, the dead father's name and his land and continue the family line. It was it, line. It was a way of keeping family names alive. And so God instituted this rule and the name of that next family relative, the unmarried family relative, was the kinsman redeemer. And so Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. He was an unmarried male relative from Naomi's family. And um, from a so from a 21st century Western perspective, we could look at this story and think and, and conclude potentially, oh my goodness, you know, here's a seduction going on. Uh, Naomi tells her to put on her perfume and go and find Boaz and lie down next to his feet and uncover the feet. Actually, servants used to lie at their master's feet. So now uh, by lying at his feet, Ruth was coming in a position of humility, saying, I'm your servant, com communicating that in a symbolic way. And then her invitation for uh, Boaz when he woke up to uh, put the cover of his garment over her was another symbolic invitation for him to marry her as a kinsman redeemer. What she was saying was, I'm free, I'm willing to engage in marriage, and my invitation to you is for you to fulfill the kinsman redeemer role that God has for you. So why did Boaz acknowledge that as kindness? Notice he doesn't say, you've been kind to me. He says, you've shown kindness. Well, he says that because Ruth is a generation younger than him. That's why he says, daughter. She's an awful lot younger than him. She's not a Jew. He acknowledges again in verse 10, she could have chosen to marry young, rich man. She could have gone after anybody for her benefit. But what Ruth is doing is, is following and pursuing the Jewish custom for the sake of Naomi, for the sake of Naomi's dead son, for the sake of her ex-husband and his family line and name, she's chosen to go down the kinsman redeemer route and invite this older unmarried man to fulfill God's purpose for him. God was working his purposes out for them as they worked his purposes out for each other by being kind. Say the word kindness to yourself. Don't you love that word? I mean, which one of us doesn't love kindness? Who doesn't love to be on the receiving end of a kind gesture or a kind word? It has power, doesn't it? Kindness to touch our pain, to open uh, a door to hope in our hearts, to form a bond of affection between people, to lift our spirits. Kindness is one of the qualities that sets humans apart because of what we're capable of. Uh, you saw Kenya on that uh, video a bit earlier. 
a number of our, our church family who've been out to Kenya over the years and have had the privilege of um, going on safari. Well, there's no kindness in the jungle, is there? Animals aren't kind. And I, uh, you don't ever find a lion sort of bringing a wildebeest uh, to the floor and before it takes its first chunk out of it, sort of hearing the wildebeest say, oh, but I had a really bad day. You know, I lost a relative earlier on, please, please. And the lion going, oh, okay then, just this once. It sounds like you deserve a break, off you go. There's no kindness in the jungle. Kindness is a human quality. And we've seen tons of, haven't we, um, stories of incredible encouragement and of, of kindness over these 97 days in lockdown. People being kind to their neighbours, people volunteering to be kind to those that they don't know. There's been lots of acts of kindness on local and national levels. And it's great to be kind in a crisis and it's necessary to be kind in a crisis. But God calls us to be kind all the time, every day. He desires it. Hosea 6 verse 6. God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Well, that word mercy is the same word that's translated in Ruth as kindness. And he commands it in Colossians 3.12. He says, clothe yourselves in kindness. This is my kindness to Jamie, not making him do technical stuff for you this morning. There's my little blue Peter. I don't know if you can see that, my blue Peter. You know, God calls us to clothe ourselves in kindness. Colossians 3 verse 12. When I get dressed in the morning, I put my clothes on and then they go with me wherever I go. And God says when we get up in the morning, we're to put on kindness. And kindness is to go with us wherever we go. So now I don't know what you think of when you, when you uh, think of the word kindness. I don't know whether you think of kind words, whether you think of just being nice to somebody, whether you think of... Um, just not ruffling other people's feathers. There's all kinds of ways that we can be kind to each other, but kindness has a, a robustness about it. You know, if we look at the actions of Naomi and of Ruth and of Boaz, there's a robustness about their kindness. I don't know, I don't think we tend to um, think about kindness as a superpower, and yet true kindness is a supernatural quality, isn't it? It's a fruit of the spirit. It's listed in Galatians 5. It's an expression of God's love. 1 Corinthians 13, love is kind. And kindness at times, not always, is costly. That's what we see in this story. It's more than a warm word. It's more than a nice style, uh, a nice smile. And biblical kindness, therefore, is associated with things like forgiveness and mercy and patience uh, as well as the less costly gestures of a kind, warm smile to somebody you know, across the room or across the shop or whatever. Kindness looks like going the extra mile. That's what Ruth was doing by the invitation to theirs. Kindness looks like looking out for the overlooked. Kindness looks like seeking to understand rather than to be heard. Kindness looks like overlooking a wrong. Kindness looks like forgiveness. Kindness looks like responding to harsh words when people speak to me harshly with kind words rather than becoming offended. Are we wearing kindness? If we're going to wear kindness, then it means that we need to treat everyone with kindness, not just some people. So God calls us to be kind to our family members, of course. He calls us to be kind to our neighbours, to our friends. He calls us to be kind to strangers. David was talking about that last week. And he calls us to be kind to our enemies. Kindness looks like kind words and kind actions to those that we don't think deserve kindness. 
And friends, we live in a culture, I think, that is screaming at us more and more loudly every day. You do it to me and then I'll do it to you. You apologise to me and then I'll forgive you. You be kind to me and don't offend me and then I'll be kind to you. Well, do you know the kingdom culture is different? The kingdom says, God says, I've done it to you, so you do it to others. I've been kind to you, so you be kind to others. I've forgiven you, as Andrew said, you forgive others. And Jesus said, we're to love everybody with kindness, including our enemies, because love is kind. So a question this morning, who would you love if you could do anything you wanted? Who would you love to poke in the eye this morning? You know, is there somebody you'd like to poke in the eye because of the way you feel? Is there somebody that you'd like to give a piece of your mind to if you really could? Or, you know, is there somebody that you absolutely wouldn't want to be kind to? You know, question for us, what does kindness to them look like? What would being kind to them involve this week? Because if we're wearing kindness, we need to be kind to all of those who cross our path. Okay, three things from Ruth about kindness from this book of Ruth. Uh, about kindness. Firstly, it's obvious, I've said it, I've, the story has illustrated it, kindness benefits others. There's kindness going on here, Naomi to Ruth, Ruth to Naomi, Ruth to Boaz, Boaz to Ruth, and of course God's kindness being poured out in the midst of it. Kindness benefits others. You know, we've all been on the receiving end of kindness and we know what it feels like. Secondly, kindness benefits us. Now, before any of you take in a sharp breath and think, oh my goodness, that sounds a little bit selfish. Actually, that's written in the Bible. That's not my line. It's a Bible line. Proverbs 11 uh, verse 17 says this, those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. And again, it says it slightly uh, differently in Proverbs 21, 21, whoever goes hunting for what is right and kind will find life itself. Kindness benefits us as well. You know, Solomon was wise. He knew what he was saying. So, friends, if you want people to react well to you, be kind. If you want friends, be kind. If we want our family relationships to improve, we need to be kind to each other. If we want to live God's purposes out for us, we need to be kind to those around us. Think kind. Talk kind. Act kind. You know, Galatians refers to the spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. Well, this story is about Ruth and Naomi reaping what they sowed right from the beginning. So kindness benefits others, kindness benefits ourselves. And thirdly, kindness reveals God's heart. Friends, God has been kind to us. He's been so kind to us. I think we lose, I'm speaking for myself, it's so easy to lose touch with God's kindness when I focus on what's going on around us. But Jesus has been kind to us. He died for us so that we could stand the chance of being forgiven and discovering his love, being set free from the power of our sin. And he did that for us while we were his enemies. He didn't do that for us because we were his friends. He did it for us while we were his enemies, while we were ungrateful, while we were ignorant of his love. He came and found us and opened our eyes. God has been kind to us. And as we demonstrate kindness to those around us, whoever they are, we are revealing God's heart to the world. And when we reveal God's heart to them, it, it increases the potential and the possibility for them to see and experience God's heart for them. You know, the Bible talks about God's kindness leading us to repentance. A friend was telling me this week that a colleague of hers was uh, 
had lost a, a parent um, during COVID and had to go to the funeral, obviously uh, very limited, only a few number of people, no friends could go. And she wanted to do something kind for him and asked the Lord, what can I do for him? And the Lord gave her one word, which was actually a very significant word for him. She wrote it on some paper. She drove to the crematorium and she just stood uh, by the entrance where the cars came in. And as he drove in in the car, in the hearse, she just held up this big piece of paper with this one word on. And um, he was absolutely blown away by it. He messaged all of his friends. She's had all kinds of messages from people that he knows that he you know, gave her number to because it touched him so deeply. A small act of kindness to a, to a, to a friend who didn't know and doesn't know yet the kindness of God that has impacted him in a powerful way, softened his heart and blessed him as God wanted him to be blessed. Friends, I hope we can all say that his kindness has changed us. If you know him, his, his kindness has changed your eternal destiny. Kindness is powerful. So in this season where we can't see the way ahead, that we, we don't know exactly what God's doing and how his purposes are going to work out for us, both as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation. Let's remember to walk you know, through the kind of fog around us with kindness. Kindness will keep us moving forwards. Who can we be kind to today? Who can we be kind to tomorrow? Lockdown may have limited all kinds of possibilities and potential for us, but do you know, friends, it doesn't limit God and it doesn't limit our potential to, uh, to continue to create and cultivate kindness within us. So let's look for those opportunities and then let's go for it with each other, with those around us and those that God puts on our hearts.